Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Joshua. And if you have been listening to the feed, following it the last few weeks, you've gotten some pretty good shows, I hope you've enjoyed. I got guests in here. I told you I would, and I did, and I have more coming. But this week, I'm just going to kind of relax a little bit, chill, a lot of rookie drafts going on. I hope you do too, and if you don't, I hope you have many coming up. I did want to talk about rookie ranks a little bit tonight. Figured that was that would be the appropriate thing to do, right? But it's not going to be a lot of fun just me listing off names. So just be sure to check either the website, fusionffb.com, or I will have it pinned up on my Twitter, at fusionffb. Either of those places, you'll be able to find a link to my spreadsheet of the the ranks. And I put a lot into this. First of all, a lot of work goes on in the background, but also I try to present it in a way that's going to be really useful for you. So I've got regular PPR on there. I've got Superflex rankings. Actually, I, I kind of base everything first off of Superflex and then just figure out where I want to move the run the, the quarterbacks back in regular ranks, but keep you know the other players pretty much ordered the same way. I also do something that I think is pretty unique and I think is helpful because it kind of gives you a better picture of different, a better sense of what I think about the player in that I introduced this last year. I I give three different kinds of ranks. It sounds a little complicated at first, but, but hear me out. So I rank it by different approaches. And I say by different approaches because a lot of times people will say, look, um, should I take this player or this player? And the answer is often couched in, well, are you rebuilding or are you a contender? And I didn't want to I didn't want to rank it based on are you rebuilding or are you a contender? Because honestly, that doesn't always that doesn't give you the best picture. Because I've been rebuilding in one league and gone about it in a completely different way than I have in another league where I was also rebuilding. And so this approach rank really, I I think, captures that a little bit better. And I gave it three different categories. There's the trader. This is somebody who likes to do a lot of trading, is active in moving players. When he drafts someone, he's not thinking he's going to have this player on their roster for much more than even a year, okay? And honestly, even if you're not a trader, even if this isn't your team building approach, who do you have on your team that you've had for more than two, even three seasons? I bet there's only a couple. But this is somebody who really excels, and this is what you like to do. You know your league, and you know you can do it. So it's going to focus on players that are going to have more immediate value, that have more perceived value. So maybe this ranking will agree a little bit more with consensus because you want to make sure that you take a player that is going to have value to other people, not just that guy that you really like and you're going to draft him. Uh, You're going to reach for him and take him even if other people don't agree. That's That's not a trader approach. Okay, the next approach is the gambler. And he is going to reach for his guy he thinks is going to hit. Okay, so the gambler 
is going to go after that running back who most others have four or five. He's going to take it as his third because he thinks he's going to hit right away. He's going to do better and he's going to be able to sell him for more or he's just going to get more out of him and win. So the gambler's not so much worried about the trade value. He wants his guys. It's who has the biggest upside, right? Not so much worried about the risk. Uh, If the player crashes and burns, that's okay because one of the other ones is going to hit big time, not just be a decent player, but hit big time. So that's the gambler. You're going after your guys. So if you want to know who are the guys I really like to um, exceed their, their normal consensus rankings, right? You want to look at the gambler ranks. And then finally, I have the builder approach ranks. And the builder is not so much worried about trading. Maybe he's in a league he can't trade as much, okay? So if if that's you, even if you like trading, you might want to look at the builder ranks just to give you a little bit better sense. He may emphasize quarterbacks in a super flex a little bit more, wide receivers a little bit more overall, just because he's not trying to get that immediate value or immediate points. He just wants to build a team that is going to consistently contend in even now or in the coming years if he's in the middle of a rebuild. But you can take a builder approach even if you're a contender to just continue to steadily restock the cupboard, right, with good players who are on your bench while you have good players in your starting lineup already. So you can do this as a contender or as a rebuilding. It just, the builder doesn't mean rebuilding. It just means you're the kind of person who's has a little bit more of a, a one, two, even three year window in mind when you're drafting these players. Usually not me. I usually don't go with builder. I did have a league where I did that. Uh, unfortunately that league is closing down, but it allowed it was like all flexes, right? So position hardly mattered. And so I drafted running backs, but I would immediately trade them as much as I could. And I just was building this giant stable of really young, high upside wide receivers. It was a really deep, like 10 or 11 starting lineup. And so I just had, you know, AJ Brown, um, DK Metcalf. I just had all of these guys. It wasn't just last year's rookies too. It was it was Dig, Diggs, it was Boyd, it was Cooper Cup. It was these kind of guys, right? These wide receiver twos with upside. I had them all and then several quarterbacks. And uh, I was definitely enjoying taking a different approach in that league. And it fit the league. And so you want to you wanna know your league. You want to know your teams. Trading was bad in that league. So that, that was part of it. So I just give you this ranking and I hope it's not confusing, but I hope it actually adds context. And again, I put a lot of work into these sheets. So go ahead and look at them as not just images on Twitter, but pull up the actual Google Doc, the, the sheet, and you'll be able to sort it. You'll be able to look at my actual my models score for the position. And if you sort by that, it's not going to actually line up. So there is my opinion in there. I don't have a lot of other trusted ranks, consensus ranks that I often mix in. I don't have a lot of those yet because not a lot of people have come out with ranks um, 
just right now some people are so i'm going to try to get those worked in more but i i trust all i lean on those a lot more in the pre-draft phase now i'm i'm leaning a lot more on my own not as much on consensus i've kind of already absorbed the consensus so to count it again would almost be double counting it right so it's going to be on there you can see my pre-draft positional rank for each of these players so you can see how they moved from before the draft till now you can uh, you can see how much i'm weighting their draft capital or even their landing spot running back scores there are going to be much higher than the wide receivers you'll notice uh, literally twice as high so you'll be able to see where they were drafted in the nfl's draft and then I even have tiers on there as well. So there's a lot of information, a lot of context. So it's it's as deep as you want it to be. You can dig into it or you can just simply sort by the, the Superflex or the Trader or Gambler ranks if you like them. And then just look at that. It's as simple as you want to be, but there's also a lot of information on one page to give you a lot of context. And so the point there is, like I said, You'll be able to look at this and say, well, I, I'm i in the third round. I want somebody who has high upside. So let's look at the gambler ranks and see, okay, who in the third round is somebody who I'd really like to jump up and grab as somebody with really high upside. And you're going to see, oh, okay, there's a running back here I see that is much higher in the gambler ranks and even leaps ahead of some other running backs he's behind and that is anthony mcfarland because he is a great gamble if he hits on the steelers gets time if connor gets injured or just supplanted there's a lot of potential points there for him more than a zach moss josh kelly old michael p ryan but I might have a Michael Pirine higher on a builder's ranks because he's looking towards next year and the possible likelihood that uh, Adam Gase will try to kick Le'Veon Bell out and that contract out next year, and that will open the door to Pirine being a starting running back next year, right? This is the different mindsets. So this is an example of how you can use this so check it out, like I said, website fusionffb.com or Twitter at fusionffb. You'll find all the links, everything you need right there. That said, we're going to go really quick over the top, let's say, two rounds. But really, I'm looking at the top 10 at the major positions here. I'm not going to try and do a lot of talking. I'm just going to hit the names and then a couple that are a little controversial and want to explain why I have them where I have them. Push the button, Max! All right, guys, number one. Overall in Superflex, I'm going Jonathan Taylor. And right behind him is Clyde's Edwards Hilaire. It's really, really close. And to be honest, I did take Clyde 101 in one league. But I also have taken Jonathan Taylor at 101 in a different league. And again, I'm not going to reference this for every single player rank, but the approaches, 
I actually have Clyde as my number one in the trader and gambler, but Jonathan Taylor gets the number one for the builder. And I just think he's the safest. And so if I'm at one of one, if I had to tell you who I, if, if it's not just me and my team to risk, right? If you're asking me, I'm saying I trust that Jonathan Taylor is going to be a great productive fantasy player for years to come with a fantastic offensive line on the Colts. Hilaire has a great offense too, but he's smaller. He's only, he didn't do it as long. Anyway, you've heard all the arguments for and against these players. Those are the ranks. That's where I have them. You're probably wondering why aren't the quarterbacks here? It's a super flex rank. Josh, you're supposed to have quarterbacks first. I don't know. Do I, do I really have to? Can you trade? Look, in your super flexes you're in. Can you trade quarterback 20 for a running back one? Can you? What would that be? That would be like Gardner Minshew, right? Can you? I have Gardner Minshew in a league. I cannot sell him for a top 12 running back. Are you kidding me? No, you can't. And so, again, it gets down to the value, especially for the trader and even the builder. But you got to take the player who's actually going to produce those points and give you those values in any kind of other trading situation. That's where I'm going the top two running backs here. But yes, then I do have the two quarterbacks. And I put Tua first. Again, Joe Burrow for the trader. He's number one. Again, these are examples of how to use that approach rank to give you a better picture of the ranking. So I'm admitting, yeah, Burrow has better value right out of the bat. But I think Tua is the best quarterback of the class long term. Okay. At the fifth pick, controversy. Okay. There's three big running back names left. Uh, Do you reach for a wide receiver? Do you go for another quarterback if you're desperate? I hope not. I really hope you're not reaching on Herbert here at five. At five, I have Cam Akers, and it is not a popular choice. Most people right now are putting J.K. Dobbins ahead of Akers and even Swift ahead of Akers. I've seen Akers all the way back at 8, 9, 10. I can't do it. He's too good, and people are overweighting the situation and I think maybe possibly misrepresenting or misunderstanding the Rams situation. Yeah, they got a bad bad offensive line. I get it. But the point is, look, Todd Gurley was running back 17 even still. If Todd Gurley and his busted up knees can give you running back 17 on that team behind that offensive line, I think Cam Akers can do the same. And if I told you you're going to get running back 17 production out of the third running back drafted at the fifth pick out of a rookie, Going in, you'd take that because even with, let's say, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs last year, they were right in that 15-13 range, and they kind of exceeded expectations, especially Sanders at the end, right? So if I told you right at the end, this is this is what you're going to get, and maybe even better. Maybe that offensive line, offensive lines are funny like that, okay? it's We try to predict them every year, and we're usually wrong. The Yes, the best ones you know are good, 
in the times that they're good. The Colts, Patriots have had their their phases here and there with really good ones. Generally, it's hard to predict the mediocre lines from year to year. They could come together. They could pick up somebody. There's lots of things that can happen. But my point is, Akers over Dobbins, it's definitely a win-now-more approach. I think he's going to have more value by midseason than J.K. Dobbins. But J.K. Dobbins is likely, I'd have to check, I believe, higher in my builder ranks because he does have a little bit of that added potential in the Ravens' offense. So we're going to go J.K. Dobbins. Depends on the situation, on your approach, what you're doing. You're trying to win this year, next year. But overall, I like Akers. And people, I mean, come on, that's still a really good offense. They pass the ball. They use the running back in the passing game for sure, something they don't necessarily do in Baltimore. And so that's why I give the edge to Akers. I think, look, I know what they paid for Darrell Henderson. You don't need to keep telling me that because they paid a third for Darrell Henderson last year, that means they're not going to give up on him. No, they just drafted a running back in the second round. They gave up on him. Okay? Get it through your head. They dra- they drafted a guy, and they didn't like him. They did the same thing to Josh Kelly, right? Or John Kelly. Sorry. There's a, there's a Joshua Kelly this year. I get a little confused sometimes. John Kelly two years ago. Thought he was going to be good. They drafted him. We never saw him again. They didn't like him. Same thing last year. They gave him chances even at the end of the season, and he didn't look that great. I'm sorry. They would not have drafted a running back in the second round if they thought that this would be a committee situation with when they really needed other pieces. Like People are really criticizing the Rams for drafting Akers even when they did because they needed so many other things like offensive linemen, but they didn't. So you have to consider the capital, not just what they paid, but what they gave up, what they could have had instead. They could have drafted, um, I'm trying to think, they could have gone after an offensive lineman, right? And then taken or traded up or something and gone after Keyshawn Vaughn or a a Zach Moss or a Joshua Kelly, right? They could have taken that in third round, but they didn't. They were in the second round with one of their few picks that they have, and they took Cam Akers. It means something. It means it. It doesn't mean that he's when he gets in there. Maybe they just don't like him too, just like they didn't like Kelly or Henderson. Sure, that's possible. But I have more faith in the ability of Cam Akers as a running back from what he did in college than I did in Darrell Henderson, and definitely John Kelly. So coming in, his pedigree is high, his draft capital is higher, and we already know the team doesn't like the other guys. It's clear. I'm moving on, spending too much time there. I do have Herbert here in Superflex ranks after, okay, sorry, I didn't say it. J.K. Dobbins is right after Akers, sixth pick, Superflex. Seventh pick, I do have Justin Herbert here. I'm willing to bend on that on your league how they value quarterbacks, how much you need one, and so on. If you want to take Swift, who I have next at 108, if you want to take him first, go for it because he is a possible running back too. 
problem is Detroit. Landing spot matters. Detroit's not a great spot. It's really not. Um, Now, in my own landing spot score, the funny thing is actually people are getting all excited about Baltimore for Dobbins, but I didn't come out with that high an opportunity uh, score in my pre-draft landing spot matrix, but but you kind of have to adjust for when and where the running back is taken still. So I understand all those that excitement about being a part of that rushing attack in Baltimore. But even for Detroit, first of all, it's Detroit, and I swear they're cursed when it comes to running backs. I don't know. That's that's really not a thing. But is it? I don't know. Carry um, on Johnson is technically still there. And especially with a reduced committee role, he may actually stay healthy. And so everyone's assuming Swift will just completely take over because Carrion always gets hurt. But what if Carrion is now not trying to take, um, you know, starting running back workload? And because of that, he doesn't get injured. He will continue to be a thorn in DeAndre Swift's side. And I... That's a real concern. Of the top five running backs, I am the most... Actually, the top six running backs, I'm the most concerned about Swift's usage. But again, he was top two talent. So he still is here before we get to the wide receivers. And again, depends on where you want to put him ahead of Herbert. I have him one pick behind. Now we get to the receivers. It's just a wall of receivers with Vaughn stuck in there. Okay, the next uh, literally 12 picks, okay, 11 picks. I have as my number one wide receiver, Jalen Rager. That's a little controversial, but you will hear others agreeing with me. I'm not crazy. This is how it came out into my model and listening to many people I trust between Peter Howard I mentioned uh, Miguel Chapton's uh, prospect score index had Rager as the highest likelihood of success. Uh, I believe he was tied for first, 92.5% likelihood in his his system. Look, he is as complete a receiver coming in here in his college resume and in his combine athletics. Now, I kind of throw the actual combine athletics um, and the numbers they add to the score, I throw that out after the draft. Because what I realized is it's already baked into the cake. It's already baked into their draft capital score because the teams took the player where they took them based on what they saw in college and in the combine. And so now if I'm going to count the combine again, I'm literally double counting it. And I don't want to double count it because it really doesn't even matter that much to begin with. And that just decreases, um, that, that decreases its correlation to actual success. What I care about is now how much draft capital did the team put, invest in them? And I care about what they showed as a receiver in college. And Jalen Rager came in as my number one in the pre-draft process. And I was expecting him to fall. I was expecting him to get drafted 
closer to the end of the first or rather some other receivers to get drafted sooner. I was expecting him to be the fifth, sixth running uh, wide receiver picked. And he turned out to be the fifth one, I believe. They were all kind of clumped into there together. No one had enough of a kind of draft capital lead or advantage over him to bump him out of first. I kind of was expecting him to fall a couple. It didn't happen. Um, so I have Jalen Rager, number one. The great thing about that is in most in most drafts, I'm seeing him going like the 12th, 13th pick. And I have him here as my 109. So if you're there at that 110, 112, 201, it's a fantastic value. I got him at the 201 in a league. I traded in to pick him. I never trade up. I never trade in for wide receivers in the first round, right? But he was there at the 201, and I was able to trade Stefan Diggs, and I got the 201 and this guy's second round pick for next year. And you're thinking, well, that's a little bit of an overpay. Is it though? Did I not just get Debo Samuel? I got this year's Debo Samuel and a second next year for Stefan Diggs. And if you think about it in that terms, you put a name to it, it doesn't sound so bad. And that's what I predict for Jalen Rager. Great situation in Philadelphia and a great receiver. You don't have to reach for him is the beautiful thing. Because I don't like reaching for wide receivers in the first round, even at the end, if I can help it. After Rager, CeeDee Lamb, he was consensus number one across the board going in. His situation compared to some of the others, is not that bad. I don't think it's that bad. That offense is a really productive offense in, in Dallas. At least they were last year. I don't have a problem with it. He can be good. There's room for Amari and Gallup and Lamb to be good. And also from a year two perspective, depending on the contracts between Gallup and Amari Cooper, what they do, there's, there's plenty of room to have it end up that we're going to, into 2021 with Lamb as one of two main receivers instead of three. Which the two, the, who the other one is, is unknown. But if Lamb has the talent, it I don't care about landing spot when it comes to that. So do not lower Lamb just because you think Dallas is a bad landing spot. Um Compared, usually gets compared to Judy. We'll get to him. I moved Justin Jefferson up to my third wide receiver because not just because of wide, not because of landing spot. It's a great landing spot, guaranteed kind of opportunity coming in. That is a reason. Competent quarterback, that is a reason. Also, he is just a solid wide receiver. If I had to pick one of all of these that I had the most confidence was going to just be a good wide receiver, maybe not a wide receiver one, but just a solid return for your late first, it's Justin Jefferson. And so that's why I have him in here. He kind of gives you a little bit of a a safety here. And I kind of value that at this point, especially with a wide receiver. I don't want to have to, I don't want to overdraft next year's Nikhil Harry. I'm perfectly comfortable grabbing, you know, and again, like a Debo, someone I have more confidence in just being good. I stuck Keyshawn Vaughn in next year. 
112, um, 12th pick. I think he's just going to get the opportunity. He's a best. He's the best, most complete all-around running back, especially in pass protection, which is a really big deal because Ronald Jones isn't good at that at all. And so he he's better at pass protection than Ronald Jones. He can catch the ball better than Ronald Jones. He's not as fast as like they added uh, Raymond Calais and they have Agun Bawale, like, and probably not as fast as Ronald Jones even. But he's just an all-around kind of running back. He's the kind of guy I can just see, not very sexy, right? But just getting the work because he's the best running back on the team all around. And I think that's what Coach Arians wants. He's tired of committee. I mean, he'll still have role players like Ogunbowale. I think we'll actually see him a lot on third downs unless somehow Raymond Calais can take that spot. But here's the problem. Raymond Calais is a small, fast running back, so you'd think he's a scat back, third down guy. Problem is, he hardly caught anything in college. So I was saying Agunbo Wale. Remember that that uh, podcast with Neil from Clock Dodgers, and we were saying who won the free agency, you know, moves, and we pointed out Tom Brady going there. He's going to like that third down receiving back. Who's it going to be? Keep an eye on the draft. See what happens. Well, they did not draft someone to compete with Dare. They drafted someone to compete with Ronald Jones. And so that's why I do stick him in here as a kind of uh, immediate value. When he's putting up points, he's going to have value in 2020. That's why I stuck him in here. Uh, Confidence. If you want to keep taking wide receivers at this point, especially the next two, I completely understand. Initially, I had him with the 14th spot. I'm just moving him up because uh, both consensus and just it just makes sense taking the running back, year one, getting the points. 13th pick, 201, Henry Ruggs. Yes, first wide receiver taken off the board. He's the fourth one on my list. I have moved him up just because he's he's explosive. He's interesting. Uh, he's going to get that opportunity. It's a boomer bust here kind of pick. Definitely riskier, especially because if you haven't noticed, I have Jerry Judy next with a 14th pick, 202. Well, well after everyone else has him. He is usually the second or third, sometimes even first wide receiver. I don't have him there. I have real concerns about Judy. I already did. He was my wide receiver four in the pre-draft process. I have real issues with him. Um, he he should have done more if he's this good. I mean, there's issues with people's talking about his knees. It's loaded. It's crowded. I'm sorry. Th- this gets into like the team and the landing spot stuff. So maybe I'm overweighting it. Maybe this is AJ Brown this year and I'm overthinking it. But I just have concerns that Jerry Judy and especially that offense and that quarterback and across from Sutton. I have a lot of faith in Sutton. I'm just really concerned that Judy is going to be what we want him to be. I don't know if he's truly a number one or if he's just a really good role player on the team. I had really hoped the Broncos would get someone more like Ruggs opposite Judy. And actually, we'll talk about him later. They kind of did in KJ Hamler. We... He was arbitrage discount Henry Ruggs. 
and they got KJ Hamler and they drafted him pretty high in the second round. So they have Sutton and Judy and Hamler. I just have real concerns. All right. So that's why he's dropped. It's just it's kind of confidence level thing going on there. But there is a tear break right there. And now we move on to T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, right in the order they were taken in the NFL draft. Same way. I agree. They're great. Denzel Mims going to get a lot of opportunity in a kind of an open wide receiver room in in New York. The problem is, again, New York Jets, Adam Gase, yeah, Dolphins flashbacks, not good. But he was supposed to be a solid wide receiver, and he's going to get the chance if he's good and he gets opportunity. I don't care what situation and in. He, he's going to get thrown to. And, uh, hey, hopefully the coaching situation doesn't stay that way forever. He's a solid wide receiver here. I have him just ahead of Brian Edwards, who I really like in Las Vegas. He could actually be the guy getting more volume and more consistent points um, from Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Really like him. Another tear break here. We get to Brandon Ayuk and LaVisca Chenault. These are the two kind of, uh, these are the risky guys. They were drafted high, especially Ayuk first round, right? But I have real concerns about them. But I also can see they could be really good. They could jump into the top three or four when we're looking back at this class. They're both very physically talented players. I just wonder why they did not do more in college. So there you go. I have more confidence in Brian Edwards with what he did. So he slips ahead. But right here, if you want some risky, kind of cheaper guys, the problem is Ayuk is usually going earlier than this, and LaVisca Chanel is going right around here. Oftentimes, check the mocks, check the ADP. Every league's different, but from what I've seen, he's about here. We're getting into the end of the second round. This is where, in a super flex, I would start to think about Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts. I've seen Jalen Hurts going uh, a good five, seven, even ten picks ahead of Jordan Love. I understand why that's the perception. I actually have Jordan Love ahead of him um, just because it's not like Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt too, and he's also older. There's more upheaval, I think, in that whole situation. I mean, who do you imagine being a starting quarterback for their team two years from now? Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be storing starting quarterback of the Eagles, or do you think Jordan Love could be the starting quarterback for the Packers, and the Packers do this kind of one-year turnaround rebuild. I mean, sell Aaron Rodgers to another team for a bunch of picks and rebuild your team in one year. That's actually a legitimately good plan. People are crushing both of these picks, but they're both solid NFL decisions. I'm sorry, Green Bay, you know, Philadelphia fan bases, you hate you hated it, but I'm sorry, they weren't wrong. And I think Love actually has a higher chance of being something sooner, being that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of thing, where in a couple years he's actually starting for you. I fear Jalen Hurts does not have as good a chance of that happening. I just don't. I'm, I'm afraid he's going to just get stuck in that like kind of Taysom Hill kind of role and never be able to be a true starter 
unless there's injury, of course. That's always a possibility for both of these. But uh, that's why I have Love actually ahead of Hertz. The great thing is when Hertz goes, you can wait for Hertz to go and then take Love. That's how I'd play it. If you want to grab one of these and you have a pick in the middle of the second to the middle of the early third round in a super flex, you can wait till Hertz goes and then grab him. Okay, after those guys, to finish out the second round, you have a lot of options. We've got AJ Dillon, and I'm actually in the middle of revising this a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to move Joshua Kelly up here ahead of Zach Moss. Uh, I'm also moving Chase Claypool. I had him right around here because he was also, I had him in here as a tight end. I'm taking him out as a tight end because the Steelers have said he's playing outside and Juju can move in. And that's a really interesting thing to kind of tuck away in the back of your mind. But that actually hurts his value to me as an actual receiver, wide receiver. I would have preferred him to be a tight end, especially in tight end premiums. So I'm going to be moving him down a little bit here. It's, it starts to get a little blurry, and I'm going to make sure that it is all squared away for when you look up the link, the sheet, again, at FusionFFB on Twitter, FusionFFB.com for the website. And I will have all of these up there for you to see, sort through, digest, enjoy. It's all like color-coded and pretty. Hopefully, it's easy to read. Um, when you ask me a question about who I'll take over what, I'll point you at this. And again, because especially I have those draft order by approach in there, you can use that. And so even if you're like, well, I'm rebuilding, I, I really need somebody to get me some points or whatever, I'll tell you, okay, look at the gambler then. You know, so I think that's a really great feature that no one else does, by the way. Absolutely no one else does that. It gives you different ranks for different approaches to flesh out th their thoughts on the players. Come on, no one else is doing this. Okay, that's my blurb. Look, I've given you some really good interviews with some various guests here the last few weeks. And if you made it this far too, that means you are a true Fusion FFB listener. I thank you so much for listening and just being here. I would rather have the small group of listeners that are still hearing me right now than another 50 like just coming and going. So, however, I would like more listeners at the same time. So feel free, please share on Twitter. Please tell your friends about it. There's not a lot of people who listen to this, so I guess you're getting a great advantage over people. But Hey, share it as much as you can. Review, rate it, especially with the Apple Podcasts. That's always nice. Haven't got one of those lately, but I've had all five stars so far. So if you can do that, I would appreciate it. This was too much long, way too much time to spend just talking about names on a list that you can't even see. But I hope I hit on, especially the controversial ones, explained my position Eh, maybe not so concisely, but I tried. Next week, uh, hopefully back to the guests. Have some fun, some more debates. If there's any particular topics anyone out there 
has that would like to be explored. I mean, we already hit spreadsheets. I joke. It wasn't just spreadsheets. I think my friend George like texted me and said like, look, I I like your podcast. I just can't do it. I told him, dude, it's fine. Skip 10 minutes ahead. It's all gone after that. We also had best balls with Dan Williamson and of course, startup drafts with the Dynasty Theory guys who they're crushing it. Check them out. That's it. Hope you've enjoyed it. Come back next time. Reference my ranks as much as you like. Share them. See you next time.